Welcome to Worship This Week. This week we are going to discuss uh, an interesting topic based on an article uh, from a couple years ago. And also we're going to preview our upcoming service for this week, which will be December 13th, Sunday morning. Uh, so jumping right in, I want to start with uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 before we get into uh, this, this blog article that, uh, that I want to share and discuss with you. Uh, but 1 Corinthians 14, verse 40, just one verse, it says, All things should be done decently and in order. Uh, in, the, in the context of that chapter, Paul is talking about worship, especially corporate worship. And so uh, he, uh, there's a lot of things that could be derived from that verse. Uh, but it's important that Paul is specific in his instruction that all things should be done decently and in order. So we know from that that there is some planning that should be involved in how we conduct our worship. There's some intentionality about it. Um, it's not 100% spontaneous. It's not uh, to be haphazardly done or carelessly done. It should be thought about and intentionally planned and uh, done for a specific reason. And the, the good news is that there's not one specific order of worship in the Bible that we're supposed to follow. But the bad news is there's not one specific order of worship in the Bible that we're to follow. So we have to come up with that ourselves. We have to apply biblical wisdom and biblical principles and biblical patterns and examples and come up with what is a decent and orderly way for us to conduct public worship. What is, a, the, what is the most helpful way? What is the most God-honoring way that we can do that? And the article that I want to talk about is from Tim Challies uh, over at challies.com. Uh, and he, he titles this, Hack Your Worship Service. Uh, and so we're all familiar with all of the, the viral videos and memes and blog posts and all those things about life hacks and uh, basically just different neat things that you can discover, the hidden purposes behind things or hidden uses for things or uncommon uses for different things and clever tricks that you can do to make things easier on yourself or hack your, you know, hack your life to make your life easier to, to see into a little bit more uh, behind what things can do or designed to do. And what he's talking about here is he starts out saying that he read an article about airports, about the architectural design of airports. Um, and he said it was fascinating because he said everything that's done in how these airports are designed is entirely intentional and purposeful. Everything from the way that the ceilings are angled to the designs in the flooring, uh, to where they put windows and, and how they use signage. Um, and so a few of the examples were that the, this, the angle of the ceilings provided a natural sense of flow uh, to the entrance and that they embedded designs in the floor to subconsciously get people to move in certain directions and keep the foot traffic going in the right direction. Uh, and they used big windows so that you could see out to where the airplanes were so you knew which direction to walk if you were trying to get to your terminal. And uh, and the, the, everything from the carpeting to the, the hard floors, meaning uh, you're supposed to walk where the hard floors are and sit where the carpets are. Uh, and all of these things uh, that just to the casual observer just walking through the airport, you would never notice or even think about that all of this is done intentionally. It's just all so well designed and so well integrated that 
uh, it, it works, but we don't notice it. And we don't think about the, the amount of time and effort and planning that went into designing all of that stuff intentionally to get that desired result. And so he says uh, the next time that he was in the, the airport that the article was talking about, the people who designed it, he, um, he, he, he noticed all of these things and it, it, he just was had a, 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 just a new sense of appreciation for the people who were responsible for creating this for, uh, and, and for how they did that and why they did certain things and just noticing things that you would never noticed before unless you were thinking about it and paying attention to it. And so he says that the next time that he was in church worshiping, he thought of that same concept, that same article uh, about hacking the design of the airport uh, and understanding and appreciating why things are done a certain way. And he said, he said, maybe we can think about our worship the same way. You know, if, if you have a, a worship leader, a worship pastor, people who are planning the service, who are being careful, who are being purposeful, then in the same way, uh, he says, you should hack your worship service. You should look at the details of how that time is put together, how it's planned, how it's ordered, uh, and consider uh, these elements and what they were meant to accomplish. Um, he says, uh, I, I suspect that your church services are the same too. They have been designed, uh, but you may need to hack the services to find out. You may need to ask the pastor or service planner to explain the rationale behind them. Uh, as you see the purpose of the overall service and the purpose of each element, you may find that your time of worship suddenly explodes in significance. You may find there is far more to your service than you had thought. And he's exactly right about that. Uh, he's exactly right about that at Tabernacle. I'm very intentional about my planning. Um, and it's one of the reasons why I started doing this this little podcast uh, uh, video blog all, all, uh, in, entirely was to help the people of our church uh, see that and understand and, and have a deeper appreciation that when you show up on Sunday, uh, if you've watched, if you've listened, uh, hopefully that we've we've gone through the songs and we've been able to uh, preview why the things are ordered the way they are. And I hope that that adds a, a new sense of significance and meaning uh, to the experience that you have going through that worship service together on Sunday. Um, he says that the service tells a story that begins with the call to worship and closes with the benediction. And we're going to get more into this in depth uh, coming after the first of the year. We're going to discuss uh, all about uh, worship planning and the order of worship and why we do things the order that we do them um, and, um, and and get really dig into this, this idea of hacking the worship service. But I wanted to introduce this this week uh, just to say, uh, the next time that you're in church, uh, of course, pay attention to what is going on. Um, maybe understand that, you know, this scripture reading came before this song or these songs came together uh, or it's a, the whole service was ordered in such a way on purpose uh, to help us walk through the gospel and to tie maybe some themes together um, to bring out uh, a scripture reading to bring out a certain aspect of what a song is communicating uh, to help that particular verse or that particular line or that particular theme or idea dwell in our minds just a little bit differently or a little bit more uh, than other things or uh, any number of details like that. But his overall point is just that uh, he says in a well-planned worship service, there are no redundant elements. If every element is planned, every element is important, which leads to an important point of application. People who show up late are missing part of the story, and many do. People would never miss the opening credits of a film uh, or... Uh, or the first chapters of a novel. You wouldn't just skip past the first two chapters of a novel. novel. Um, and so uh, he's saying just 
just be intentional about your participation in worship um, because your intentionality on the participation side uh, will complement the intentionality on the planning and design side uh, and really uh, bring out uh, the importance of the worship design, the worship planning. Um, and he says, and the next time you're at church, consider your service uh, and consider the importance of design. Enjoy the service as an experience carefully planned to lead you to your God. And that really is our goal. It really is my goal. Um, the way that we worship uh, shapes the way that we collectively and corporately speak to God and hear from God. Um, and so we take that very seriously and we want that to be meaningful and significant. So uh, if, you, if you have time, head over to uh, chalies.com, C-H-A-L-L-I-E-S.com. Uh, you can just search on his site, Hack Your Worship Services, from March 12th of 2017. Uh, but just read the whole article. It's really good. Uh, just a really interesting take um, that, um, uh, you know, a, a, on my side of the, of, the, of the relationship here, on my side of the, the roles of worship planning, uh, you know, I, of course, think about all these things constantly, that how intentional and well-designed it is. But he took it from the, from the pew side, from the congregation side, and said, you know, hey, we need to, uh, it would really help your experience if you thought about that and thought about the intentionality that's into it. And, and if you look for it, you will see it and appreciate it in a different way. Uh, and I totally agree. And I recommend this, uh, this to you, uh, both, both the article itself and just his main point. As we look forward to Sunday, December 13th, as we worship together at the third Sunday of Advent, and uh, we'll begin, of course, with our Advent reading, which is kind of filling in for our call to worship, serving as a call to worship, but also with the significance of lighting the Advent candle, what that means. Uh, but this week we're reading from Second Peter chapter 3. Uh, this year uh, I decided to, to really focus heavily with our Advent readings on the second coming. Uh, historically, Advent has been a time of waiting, a time leading up to Christmas, where we, we emphasize both the second coming of Christ, the second Advent, if you will, and the first Advent leading up to Christmas. So we're remembering and celebrating the first coming of Christ while we're also anticipating and have that period of, of darkness and waiting uh, as we consider uh, the coming of Christ again, the second coming. And so this year... Uh, oftentimes our Advent readings will come from Old Testament prophecy and uh, other texts that help us uh, sort of relive that anticipation up to the birth of Christ and then celebrate that. Uh, and so this year I really wanted us to think about the second coming of Christ and the hope that we have um, to live in uh, what is uh, really a period of darkness. Um, uh, the, uh, the world will not be uh, made new again until Christ returns. And so in a lot of ways we are living in uh, a time where it, it's already and not yet. That's the phrase that gets often used um, about our uh, eschatology, uh, meaning the study of the end times, the things that will happen at, at the end of, of time. Um, but we call it inaugurated eschatology because it's already and not yet. It's already begun. Um, the, the events have already started. Jesus has come uh, once and uh, he has initiated, he has inaugurated the second covenant and the, uh, the church age, um, yet he is still going to come again. And so he's already come, he's already fulfilled much of his purpose in the gospel, but he has not yet fulfilled all of it. 
And so we await the consummation of all of his plans. Uh, and so we live in that tension. We live in a time of, of darkness and we celebrate the coming of light into the darkness uh, as we anticipate the perfect light, the perfect redemption being completed when Jesus comes again. But Second Peter chapter 3 it says, Do not overlook this fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Um, and then it goes on, and we're going to close uh, with verse 14 and 15. It says, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. Uh, and so, uh, while we're in this period of waiting, while we're in this in-between time, uh, Paul's telling us that we, we should not consider that the Lord is being slow to fulfill his promise. Uh, we shouldn't consider that God is, is waiting for, for no good reason. Uh, rather, we consider that God doesn't count time the same way we do, first of all, uh, but then also that his slowness is not is not uh, slowness as we count slowness, but it's patience, and his patience toward us is our salvation, um, and it's God's mercy and his good and his good intention that uh, that we would wait for the second coming of Christ um, as grace is increased by the preaching of the gospel, and so as we move in from that, we're going to sing uh, angels from the realms of glory, and so as we. As we connect that to the first coming of Christ, um, because he came, because he lived and died, we have the gospel. And so we're living in this time of proclamation of the gospel. It says that he doesn't desire that anyone should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of the truth and repentance. Um, And uh, so we look back and we sing about the implications of the first advent. And of course, the refrain of this hymn, come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ, the newborn king. Of course, uh, that's the right response we have to God. Um, and I love the the line in the in the Christmas Carol Silent Night where it says, "Jesus is Lord at thy birth." Uh, even though he's a little baby, he's still Lord um, at his birth. And so we come and worship. And that's what this hymn is talking about. Each uh, it, it addresses four groups of people uh, and why their response to the baby Jesus, the Lord born in a manger, should be to worship him. Um, it says, angels from the realms of glory, wing your flight o'er all the earth. Um, ye who sang creation's story now proclaim Messiah's birth. So the angels come and worship the shepherds, watching over their flocks by night. Uh, come and see that God with man is now residing. God has become a man. God is living in the world with men. Uh, go and see, come and worship. Sages, leave your contemplations. The wise men, brighter visions beam afar. Uh, and come and seek the desire of nations. Um, uh, so even... Um, outside of the people of Israel. Um, foreigners should come uh, and see the desire of all the nations, the one who will bring salvation to all of the world, all of every tribe and nation and tongue come. And then finally, and this is my favorite verse uh, because it, it, it's an allusion to one of my favorite um, passages in the Bible, Malachi chapter 3. But it says, saints before the altar bending, watching long in hope and fear. Suddenly the Lord descending in his temple shall appear. Um, and uh, we can see that in two ways. Uh, the Lord suddenly descending in his temple 
uh, is a prophecy from Malachi, and we see that fulfilled when Jesus is presented in the temple, um, uh, and, and Zechariah um, sings the song in Luke, uh, the, the Benedictus. But uh, we, we also see that and can think of that as the fulfillment of, of the promise uh, in the future when Christ comes. Suddenly, the Lord will come again and he will appear in his temple again, uh, not this time as a baby, but this time as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so we could, we could think of ourselves as the saints who are bending before the altar, watching long in hope and fear. And so we have our hope and our, our task now in this time of waiting uh, is to come and worship Christ the newborn king while we are watching long in hope and fear for him to return again. And so we'll sing that uh, as we respond uh, to our, our Advent reading and call to worship, and then we'll go into um, the first Noel. And again, I want to emphasize just one of the verses for us, so familiar, uh, but the final verse of the first Noel says, Then let us all with one accord sing praises to our heavenly Lord, who hath made heaven and earth of naught, and with his blood mankind hath bought. That's just packed full of really good, solid biblical theology. Um, let us all with one accord. The importance of corporate worship being an, a unified, uh, corporate expression of our worship that we all sing together with one voice and one heart. We sing praises to our Heavenly Lord, the Lord who made heaven and earth of naught. Um, Jesus is God. Colossians chapter 1. Uh, all things were made uh, through him and by him and for him. Um, Jesus the Son, God the Son, was with God the Father at the creation, and God the Spirit, uh, the Trinity existing uh, in eternity, and uh, God, uh, you know, Philippians chapter 2, emptied himself to become a man. That's, that's what we celebrate the incarnation at Christmas. Um, but the same God who made heaven and earth of nothing, with his blood mankind hath bought. We have just a really simple statement of atonement and the gospel. And so just packed into one verse of a hymn. And if we don't think about it, and if we just sing it because it's a familiar Christmas carol, how easily it passes us by. Um, but uh, every phrase of that, that just that one verse, uh, is rich and packed with, uh, with rich truth that I think will help us um, as we worship to uh, just remember uh, the goodness of God, the greatness of God, what he's done for us. Um, and then, of course, we'll have our, our prayer and our sermon as usual, and uh, our closing song this week will be O Little Town of Bethlehem. Uh, I want to pick another verse of this one and just kind of talk about uh, just again how rich it is, how silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. Um, that just reminds us of the unconventional, unexpected nature of Christ's advent. Um, and uh, going back to angels from the realms of glory and that connection to Malachi chapter 3, um, when Malachi says the Lord will suddenly come into his temple, the idea of suddenly there is not necessarily quickly, but suddenly in an unexpected way. He'll come in a, in a way and at a time that's not expected. Suddenly he'll come. Um, and this this says how silently the wondrous gift is given, uh, and no ear may hear his coming. How how silently and how quietly and how uh, unnoticeably 
maybe, to, to most people. Yes, there was fanfare with the angels and the shepherds were aware and the wise men came and they were aware. Um, but, but to the larger world, uh, most people didn't notice. A, there was a baby born in a, in a, in a barn. Um, but this humble way that God entered the world is no less than God imparting to humans the blessings of heaven. And where meek souls, where humble souls will receive him, uh, the dear Christ enters in. Just the way he entered into the world, he enters into our lives. And so, again, these Christmas carols, I think they become so familiar to us, just like any hymns, but especially these because they're so traditional and we sing them so often and recognize them so easily. Uh, but they're, they're packed with a rich truth that if we meditate on those words and think about it, it's really uh, strongly biblical and uh, really helps, helps you know, as I always say, Colossians chapter 3, it helps the word of Christ dwell in us, helps the truth about God, the gospel dwell in us richly. Um, but we have to look for it, just like the article that we talked about said, we have to be intentional, looking for uh, And so I, I would extend that then not even uh, as much to my planning and my intentionality and, and planning the worship service and ordering that, but uh, pay attention to what the hymn writers did, some even hundreds of years ago. Um, and there's still a richness there to be mined and to be uh, appreciated and, and to help us. Uh, so, so don't let those phrases just go by because they're familiar. Um, don't just mindlessly sing the verse out and then get through the song. Uh, and just, you know, it's just a comforting Christmas carol, familiar song. Yay, I like that. But uh, spend some time thinking about what those words are saying. Uh, pick it apart. Do a little bit of analysis. Um, um, it doesn't have to be, uh, you don't have to write a term paper on it, but just in the, in the service, just spend five minutes, uh, three minutes, 30 seconds thinking about what those words were that we just sang or that we're about to sing um, and consider uh, a little bit more meaning uh, behind what's in there. And I, I promise you won't be disappointed. Um, you'll find things that, that you didn't even see before. Uh, it'll remind you of truth. It'll encourage you in a way that you weren't expecting. Uh, and uh, that's just the beauty of, of well-written hymns and songs. And, of course, um, most of these Christmas carols that we have uh, have stuck around for good reason. Uh, they're well-written, um, and they help us out a lot uh, if, we, uh, if we don't let them become too familiar that we miss, that we miss out on what, the, what they're actually uh, saying to us uh, and helping us to understand and remember. We'll close our service with Luke chapter 1. Um, again, as we bear down on Christmas and get closer and closer to celebrating Christmas and Christmas Eve, and um, we want to build up that anticipation, and so we'll uh, close our service uh, this Sunday uh, with some verses from Mary's Magnificat, Mary's Song of Praise, when she had heard uh, that she was going to be giving birth to the Christ. Um, she sings a song. Her response to that news is to sing a song and to say, How blessed I am. My soul magnifies the Lord because this, the, the God my Savior has looked on me, uh, looked on the humble estate of his servant. And from now on, generations will call me blessed because he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. Uh, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. So that's what we'll leave on. Um, uh, God's mercy is on those who fear him. And so we should leave our time of worship um, resolved to honor the Lord, to fear him, 
uh, to live in obedience to his word, to honor his holy name, uh, knowing uh, that he who is mighty uh, will do great things for us, has done great things for us in Christ, um, and that his mercy is on us. So it'll be another great week of worship, another um, opportunity, as it is every Sunday, to gather with God's people. I hope to see you there, Tabernacle family, or uh, if you are uh, staying at home, um, then I hope that um, you will uh, benefit as well from the recorded service. And uh, again, hope everyone is having a great holiday. We missed a couple of weeks on the podcast, and then I think we'll have one more before Christmas next week, and then uh, take a couple of weeks off again for the Christmas holidays and be back at the first of the year. Thank you so much for watching. Thanks for listening. I uh, appreciate it. Again, we're here to equip and prepare worshipers of Tabernacle. Hope everybody has a great week. 